thank you for your giving, church. We are in a series called C4, dealing with um, Christ, talking about calling, talking about cause, and talking about community. The first couple of weeks, we were looking at Jesus. We were talking about the message of Christ and the person of Christ. Uh, Pastor Dana introduced us into the uh, first part of the, the calling, uh, talking about the called and chosen. And last week, we talked about this is what I believe, okay, which is very important, that this is what I believe, that I have been called by God. The thoughts that came out of that was that I believe that God still speaks, and, uh, and, and I have to watch what I speak over myself, that God is, has, has a calling that is specific to me, and that there is nothing more important than me finding my identity in Jesus. So today I want to talk to you briefly about, uh, this is, uh, we're walking into cause now, and so the thought is this, your way or God's way? Is it going to be your way or God's way when it comes to your cause, to your purpose, to the plan and the destiny that he has for your life? Your way or God's way? I want to kick it off with Jeremiah 29. We're very familiar with this scripture, and it comes out of the contemporary standard Bible version. Uh, 29, starting with verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, and this is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, I will be found. Now, last week we talked a little bit about how God has sown within all of our DNA, whether you were a believer or a non-believer at the time, but in our DNA, we have a longing to look for him, uh, to, to search for him, to call out for him. And just as that's going on in our lives, God has also created us to be a people that wants to reach, to grow, and to desire for more and to fulfill the dreams of our lives. It's within us. And you see, Jesus helps us with this. He helps us with, you know, remembering that our identity is in him and that our destiny is found in him. Jesus helps us to see and understand that living this life and doing life, it's more about the journey than it is about the destination. Now, now don't go out of here and say, oh, Pastor Matt said it's, it's you know, we're not supposed, that it's more, it's more important than, finishing well. That's not what I'm saying. I understand that what does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world but to lose their soul. So all of us, you know, I'm wanting to see get to heaven. But if you are a believer, we have this assurance. Jesus is going, we're we're going to heaven. We're going to be with him for eternity. But what are we doing in the journey? What are we doing in the time that it is that we have to breathe or until the time he comes for us? You know, I'm when I was looking for my cause, I remember when I came to Christ and really gave my heart to him, there was, um, there was four years at, at school where I was at Bethany University out in Santa Cruz, and in my theology class, in hermeneutics class, I remember we would have these table talks where we would talk about cause. There was a, our, our professor encouraged us to do it. But what I found was happening was that as I'm sitting around this table with these uh, men and women, and we're talking about cause, and what, what, what are we feeling that the calling and the cause of our life is, what happened was it's turned into kind of a judging session. 
that your cause wasn't as good as the next person's cause, or they would say, oh, I don't think God's saying that, and all this. And I remember myself going, you know, I've got to pull myself out of this because I can't make this about me. I have to make it about God. It has to be about God. It's his way, his word, his plan, and his direction. And any time that I have ever made it about Matt Stewart, it has always failed or it didn't make sense, or it was a constant struggle. And this is what I found, that I know to be true, and I'm going to say it again, that God has a purpose, he has a plan, he has a destiny, and he has put a cause in each and every one of our lives. Some might say, Pastor, um, I've messed up. I've messed up too many times, or I've made too many bad decisions, or Pastor Matt, I'm 40 years old now, and I feel like I've missed him. See, last week we talked about paying attention to the words that we would say of ourselves or the thoughts because we, we determined that that is the language of the snake, that that is Satan himself uh, putting these things over him. And do we understand that he is the father of all lies? Amen? And that, the father, that he loves to sow this into us. He loves to sow confusion and doubt. He loves to bring lies. He loves for us to speak words of death over ourselves. But And he wants us to feel like our calling and our purpose was a mistake. Look at this in John 8.44. Christ actually addresses this. He says, speaking of Satan, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The truth is, God doesn't create mistakes. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but I want to make sure that, that everybody is hearing this. He doesn't create mistakes. He, he didn't make a mistake when he made you. He didn't make a mistake when he called you by name. In fact, I would say it this way. God isn't the mistake maker. He is the way maker. Very important. Jesus is the one that releases destiny. He releases cause and purpose and plans. In Ephesians 2.10, it's going to come up on the board for you. It says this, that we have become his poetry. In other translations, it, mean, it, it would speak of that we are his workmanship, a people that will fulfill destiny that he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. God is and always has been in complete control. He knows what he's doing, church. He is never confused. He never abandons. And he will never fail. Jesus is the king of kings. Amen? He is the one who releases destiny into our lives. He wanted you just as you are. He created you for a purpose. And everything about you, he has designed and released to see his purpose and his destiny fulfilled in and through your life. I want to get into a portion of scripture um, that is found in James chapter 4. And, we're in, and it's verses 1 through 12. Now, don't panic. We're not going to read all 12 verses. We're going to do some skipping. But I think it's important that we read this. Now, what's happening is, is James, many scholars believe that this was the brother of Christ that wrote this. It's actually probably one of the oldest letters in the New Testament, written around um, AD 48, AD 49. And here's what he says, writing to the new Jewish believers. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? 
Do you think that they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. Skipping forward. You're cheating on God. If all you want is your way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way, his son's way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. Other translations would say that he opposes the proud or that he gives grace to the humble. Look at this in Proverbs, where, what it's referring to. He mocks proud mockers but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Jesus addresses this in Matthew 23, 12. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's get back into it. Back into um. And it says, and, and what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. So let God's work his will, let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Can we just yell a loud no to the devil? No! Just to let him know. We don't want him around. We don't want him to have his hands on our family, on our futures, on our destinies. It's no. And say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Can we just say yes? Yes. Yes, God. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Now, guys, here's the thing is, is that when we see a portion of Scripture where it says this for us, it's really laying it out. That we, if we will spend time before him, it's really the only way that we can get moving in our destiny. Sometimes we'll get up and we'll say, you know, Matt, Pastor Matt, or, or God, I just don't have it today. I don't know if I can walk into my purpose. And, 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 and what the scripture is reminding us, the only way you're going to be able to do it is if you spend time with him. Bowing before him. You know, sitting at his feet. And he will do this for us. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Don't badmouth each other. Friends, it's God's word. It's his message. It's his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message. And I wrote this in here. What is God saying to you? What did he say? What did Jesus accomplish on and through the cross? Not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? Is it your way? Or is it going to be God's way? You see, James 4 shows us that God is in charge of our destiny. That all people have a destiny. That all people have a God-given purpose. And everyone wants to fulfill that God-given cause. That one that Christ gives us. The, the Christ cause. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, he says this. He says, this is God. I knew you. Before you were set apart, I set you apart. I appointed you. Ephesians 2.10, God planned in advance our destiny. Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans that I have for you. So I want to give you three quick thoughts that I'm praying that the Lord it will just kind of get embedded inside of us to help us walking into and fulfilling our cause for Christ. And the first thought is this, keep God first. 
church, the first thing in your life and everything that you do, it's keeping God first. You know what I love about the Word of God is, is that to find something like this, to find this type of truth, we don't have to dig in the Bible. We don't have to find it in some book of the Bible that we never read. It's actually found in Genesis 1-1. Guys, check this out. What is Genesis 1-1? How's it start? It says this right here. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. God first. He was first. In the beginning, God. God first in your family, God first in your relationships, God first in your marriage, God first when you wake up, and God first when you sleep. God first in your career, God first in your education, God first in your decisions and your finances, and God first in the times of your worship. The ability to move begins with God, God first. Everybody say God first. God first in anything and everything that you do. In James 4.10, this is what it says in the message. It says, we just read it, get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. God first. In the New Living Testament, that same scripture says it this way, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will, not you, you can't do it, he will lift you up. Give me an amen. And when I see a scripture like this, church, we have to start reading scripture this way. Where it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It doesn't say he might or if he has time. It says that he will. Because these are scriptures that we stand upon, amen? When things are not going so well. I, I, I love it even this way. It's not even that he's going to try. It says that he will. Put yourself before the Lord. Sit at his feet. Let your day begin with worship. And he will get you to your feet and he will launch you into your purpose. Let's go back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God, what's it say? Created. In the beginning, God created. That our God is the God of ultimate creativity. Creativity that has not yet been seen. Can you, can you even like sit here and try to imagine like in the parts of our universe where we can't see, we don't know, we don't understand, our God is still creating. He is in control of this universe. He's always full of purpose. He is always releasing. He is always fulfilling. God takes what seems unusable. Don't raise your hands. Don't even nod because I just want you to just hear what I'm saying. If there's anybody here that you just have felt unusable, this word is for you. Because what we read in Genesis, in the, in the next verse, in Genesis 1-2, it describes the earth. Look at this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Our earth at one point was useless. It was unusable. It had no form. But then it goes on to say that God takes, that God takes something that seems unusable and empty and overlooked, and he uses that. He uses you. He uses me to build his kingdom. To present his message that all would know, that all would know that he is the one true God. That all would know that he is still a miracle working God. That he still speaks and he cares about his children. And that his call is louder than ever. And that his promises are true. And that he has a purpose. He has a destiny, a plan, and a cause for your life. Martin Luther King said it this way. I love the way he said this. Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do, and use it for a purpose greater than myself. 
Is it going to be you? Is it going to be your way? Or is it going to be God's way? Because I can tell you this right now, that God wants to use you. That God wants to send you. That he has a calling for you. That there is the purpose and plan and it's all for you. Well, Pastor Matt, there's no way he can use a believer like me. Well, then I ask this question, then what is a believer supposed to look like? What is it that we've got to rise up to that, to be chosen to serve? Or, or what type of expectations should be put on a believer and that, that he and she should meet? You know, um, I'm going to expose myself here. And so I just pray that you guys, everybody say, I love you, Pastor Matt. Thank you. Because I want to, I um, when I, in mid-90s, I had just finished preaching a message. And I walked off the stage and I was saying hi and everything. I can't even remember what the message was that I spoke, but I, it had to be good. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but I was like, I come down and I'm shaking hands. And Lori walks up to me and goes, hey, hey, uh, babe, you know, um, uh, we're going to take this family out to lunch. And, and I go, and I gave her the look like, she goes, I know, I know. She goes, I go, no, babe, let me just say it. I go, you know that I'm hungry and I need to eat. And she goes, yeah, that's why we're going to a restaurant. You know, she lets me, reminds me. And I go, so I'm already kind of attitude Is everybody with me on this? Um, and so we get to the restaurant and we come around the corner and I see the couple that's sitting there that we're going to meet. And listen, I told you I was going to expose myself. I went, this is going to be a long lunch. Like I just, I just, I immediately went into it. And, and just to give you a little background, their names were Todd and Devaney. Devaney was coming off meth. Um, she had just given her the heart to the Lord three weeks before and she was, she was still fighting to come off meth. Her husband Todd was a, a gangbanger from Oakland that got uh, saved uh, the same time his wife did. And he's sitting there at the table and his eyes are as red as I've ever seen eyes red, just high on weed. And you can smell it at the table. And, I, and I'm sitting, here, here's me, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh God, why in the mind? You know, I'm mumbling to myself, you know, and I sit down. And guys, as the conversation went on, I'm looking at Todd. Todd looks like he just wants to come across the table and beat me up. You know, um, Devaney is slurring. We can't hardly understand a word she's saying. And here I am, attitude and attitude. And guys, guess what? And I'll never forget it. The Holy Spirit comes and sits down at the table with us. And, and within about five, ten minutes, all of a sudden, I start to notice. I start to feel it. I'm feeling it's tangible. And Devaney's voice, her, her, her mouth starts stops slurring. All of a sudden, you can understand every word she's saying. I'm looking at Todd. His eyes are becoming crystal clear. And, and we start talking about life. We start talking about their salvation. We start talking about their future. And guys, we're sitting at this table. Attitude has gone out of me. I'm feeling really ridiculous and upset at myself. But the Holy Spirit is there, and we've all got tears crying. It looked like we were a mess at that table, but it was one of the most beautiful things. But here's my thought and what I want to say. Based on me and what I saw at the time or whatever, I wasn't really wanting to give it a chance. That's why in Isaiah 55, 8, it's like, like I can do it my way. And, but I don't want to make it about me. I don't want to do it my way because here's what Isaiah 55, 8 says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declared the Lord. God is the designer of all people. Not according to our standards. God has raised us by his standards. God sees our potential. God knows our value. Thank the Lord that we are not in charge of who is worthy and who is not. 
I mean, guys, this was going on with the disciples before they ever came, became actually the 12. John 1, 43, 46, look at this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. And Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? <laughs> Nazareth exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip's like, dude, would you just please be quiet and come and see for yourself? You know what I mean? He's already judged him, doesn't know if he wants to be, have any part of this just because he's from Nazareth. Thank the Lord. Again, it's not up to us. Don't change who God has made you just to please somebody else. Because there is something big God is about to do in and through your life. There is a reason God created you the way that you are. There is a reason that he has put you in that position. Never be ashamed of where you're from or how much money you make or what education you have. Because God has raised you up. God knows your name. And God is going to use you to tear down the walls of the enemy. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. You see, God is going to leverage you in your testimony to break cycles of sin and bondage. Just to give, let you kind of further with Todd and Devaney, you know, Todd became totally, you know, just completely a man of God and became a pastor later at a church, and Devaney became free of drugs for the rest of her life. So we can give the Lord a hand of praise for that. I would say it this way, who cares if you're newly saved? You know, who, who cares if you were raised Baptist and not Assemblies of God? Who cares, you know, if you drive a Ford and not a Chevy? Well, I don't No, I'm joking, dude. I'm, honestly, I'm just playing around. It is God who raised you up. Come on, give me an amen, church. He is the one that raised you up. God has a destiny, and it's for you, not me. Your destiny is for you to walk out on your own. What is the Lord saying? How is he moving in your life? Let me say this again. If we believe God speaks to us, what did God say? What did his word and his report and his promise to you say? Because that is more important than anything that the world might say or do to try to stop you from fulfilling your cause. Everybody say cause. Your cause. Let's go back to the scripture. Genesis 1-3, just the next verse. Check out what it says. It says this right here. Then God said. Did you know that from verse 3 to 29 in that, in that chapter, over and over and over again, it says, then God said. God said it. God was speaking it. The power was coming from his mouth. He was the one that was creating. He was the one that was releasing. He was speaking. He was acknowledging. Life is bursting and exploding at a rate that only the one true God could control. Don't worry about what I think or what I might have to say about you. What has God been speaking into you and over your life? What is he saying? What is he doing in your life? Ezekiel 36, 26, I think I used this last week, but look at this right here, and I will. So you can see it right here. God is saying, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Guys, check this out. Look at the very next verse, verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk. He is going to cause you to move. 
He is the one that's going to give you your cause. And it will be in his statutes. And we will have to be careful to obey his rules. Can I just say this to somebody and everybody in this room? You are valuable. You are new in him. You have his spirit. You are a radically transformed life. Francis Chan said it this way. God will ensure my success in accordance with his plan, not mine. Is it going to be your way or is it going to be God's way? Are you going to continue to make this about you or are you going to make it about God? Are you going to, going to continue to do it your way or will you finally release it to God and do it his way? Are you going to make it about you or will you make it about him? Because it's his design. It's his plan and purpose for your life. It's his, his cause becoming yours, which leads me to a second thought. So the first one is this. Go ahead and put this up. Um, keep God first and be patient in seasons of waiting. Guys, did you know that's one of the hardest things about walking out your faith is that God gives a calling or puts a cause in your heart and you think it's going to happen like this, but then there's these seasons of waiting. Give me an amen, you know. I mean, this is legit stuff, you know. When God makes you wait, he is giving you, and I really believe this, he's giving us an opportunity to build our faith and to go deeper into that word. What did he say? What is God saying? What, what is he doing? What, what did he show you? What is he showing you even now? And while you wait, we find the promises in his word that we can stand on. Because I can promise you that as you wait, and it gets frustrating, or, or seasons of doubt start to try to come in, that you're going to need his word to stand on as you wait on that promise. You know, I've joked around with songs about waiting, you know, Foreigner with, I've been waiting for a girl like you and Tom Petty, uh, the waiting is the hardest part and all this. And, and there's, there's a reason why people write these songs because waiting is very hard for us. But I truly believe that it is in the waiting where our character is transformed before God. Look at Psalms 27, 14. I love this version. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. Guys, that's almost like God is speaking directly to every person. It's not even almost. He is speaking to every person in this room with that word. Waiting causes us to trust God. To fully turn our today and tomorrow over to him. And at some point, listen to what I'm about to say. Catch, what, catch this. It's not going to come up on the board. I just want you to hear it. At some point, you will have to concede that it is either going to be our way or it's going to be God's way. It's either going to be your will or it's going to be God's will. I would say it this way. It's going to come up on the screen. God is using this season of waiting. God is using this season of your life to make you more like him. You know, when I find out where I need to be more like him, it's kind of like the story with Ted, uh, Todd and Devaney. You know, when I've got to do things that sometimes I don't feel like I've got the energy or the time to do, or somebody cuts me off on the highway, I need to become more like him. Amen? 
You know what I'm saying? There are these times and seasons in our life. But at least in these times of where we're becoming more like him, he keeps it simple. Pastor John Martin, he got up and he put up his title talking about, or talking about keeping it simple. And I got goosebumps all over my body because it was exactly one of the points that I wanted to talk about today. That at least when it's hard, God keeps it simple. Listen to what I mean by this. Because God said it. God said he would. God said this in his word. And I'm going to stand on his word. I'm going to allow him to establish my footsteps. I'm going to get at his feet so that he can pick me up. Is everybody with me? He, he keeps it simple. Look at Psalms 119, 133. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by evil. In, the, in this, another translation, it says it this way. Prepare before me a path filled with your promises and don't even allow one sin to have dominion over me. The weight and being patient is one of the easiest targets that Satan will come and try to put doubt and distraction. Did you know that Lori and I are standing on a promise that he gave us back in 2011? So for 13 years, Lori and I have been standing on a promise that he made regarding our oldest son. And can I tell you something? Is that we are going to continue to believe and stand on that promise. We're going to continue to stand and believe in the cause that he has put in our heart for our son. And he might can do this tomorrow or it could be another 10 years. But I will remain faithful to what he said to my wife and I. That's important. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. God said it. God made it clear to us. Well, I mean, Abraham, he had to wait 25 years for a son. Joseph, you know, what we read of in the Old Testament, 13 years to get to where God intended. And guys, if you know the story that I've read, that was a tough 13 years. David, 15 years to be king. The Israelites, basically 40 years walking in a circle in the desert. Let's talk a little bit about this. If they would have stayed with what God had spoken to them, it was a straight shot to the promised land. They get there with their spies, and they send in 12. Ten come back basically going against what God spoke. God says, I'm going to take you to the promised land. This is going to be yours. This is what's going to be there. And ten of the 12 come back and go, we can't do it. I don't care what God said. We can't do this. We don't have. And you know what God said? God said, well, you know, because of this doubt and, this, uh, and lack of faith, for every person that came back and said we can't, I'm going to add four years to your journey. So they got 40 years of walking around in a circle because they didn't want to stand what God had spoken into their lives. Think about that. Waiting is so hard for us. Jesus, 30 years before he could start his ministry. You know, when I was 16, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> I'm not playing around. I look at mom and dad and go, man, y'all don't, don't know what you're doing, you know? And then I got 18, and I was for sure, man. I mean, I could vote. I could... You know, all this, you know, I think back then, I, I think at 18, you could drink back then, you know, I, I wasn't doing good. I think that's, and so I, I knew everything, you know, and, you, and, and I'm thinking about Jesus, you know, at eight, eight, 18, you know, he's God, but he's also man. He's probably sitting there like, man, I could do this right now. 20, I could do this right now, but he waited 30 years, 30 years. It was worth the wait. Come on, give me an amen. It was according to God's plan. I don't know if you found this to be true or not. But check this out. Sometimes in the waiting, 
is where we will hear and receive long-awaited answers from God. He just needed us to slow down and listen. I remember one time I was playing golf with my dad, and I was flying on that golf cart, just going to the next hole. And my dad just out of nowhere goes, son, slow down and let's smell the flowers. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like he was just kind of letting me know I'm about to throw him out of the golf cart. But like, he's like, chill out a little bit, man. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. If you ever want to know if it's good to wait, absolutely, because while you're waiting, he's going to fill you with his strength. Have the worship team come on up. Let's give them a hand as they come on up. Thank you guys so much. Here's my third and final thought. It's make his cause your cause. So keep God first. Be patient in seasons of waiting and make his cause your cause. Very important. You know, um, in the New Testament, Paul, multiple times, he's writing from prison, and he'll, he'll write it this way. He'll say, uh, I'm in prison for his cause. For his cause, I'm in prison. Or he'll say, he's got somebody with him. He'll say, so-and-so and me are in prison for the cause of Christ. And, and, he, and he's laying it out there. It's for, it's for his cause. And guys, here's the beauty about this is, is that Jesus is going to give you his cause. But he also gives you a way to make it your cause and how you're going to and I'm going to tell you what his cause is in a second, but, but check this out, your cause. Some of us in this room, your heart is to see sex, sex trafficking go away. You want to be a part of that rescue effort. Some of you are going to be called, your cause is going to be to help the poor. Did you know that there's some of you in this room right now that God's already put on your heart, but you're scared to do it, but he's given you a cause to reach your own family for him. Did you know that's some of the hardest to reach is your own family? Some of you are, are wanting to help those that are struggling with addiction. Some of you are going to be called into the world of science and medicine and lead these men and women to Jesus. Some will be called to the LGBTQIA2S+. But he's calling you. He's giving you a cause for this. Some of it's going to be in the political realm. Some of you are going to lead business owners and leaders to the world. Some of you are going to reach the city for Jesus. Some of you are going to have a cause to go to the four corners of planet Earth and go to be a missionary on the mission field. And some of you are being called even right now, your cause is to reach your friends in your friend circle. And what is it, Pastor Matt? What is it? What is the cause? Well, the cause is this. When he was ascending into heaven, what we read of in Acts, he said these things, go and make disciples of all nations. And he didn't stop there. He said, also baptize them. Also teach them. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Our cause for Christ is to represent him. And scripture reminds us of this truth. I'm going to give you scripture here. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Give me an amen. You are no longer darkness, but light in the sun. So walk as a child of light. You are the light of the world. I have called you. I have chosen you. You are a saint. You are a servant. You are a steward. You are a soldier. You are a witness. You are a worker. Through Jesus, you are victorious. You have a glorious future. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a child of God, and you are an ambassador for God's Son, Jesus. Come on, let's give him a Lord a hand of praise.
Let's all stand, and I want us to just look at this last scripture here. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says this right here, that we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world. And as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips, so we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Just a few weeks ago, we were talking about having a radically transformed life, and we talked about how it's repentance, changing the mind, it's turning back to God. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is, is near. And this is what I want to say. Somebody in this room needed to hear this today, that not only is he going to transform your life, but he's going to give you a cause, and he's going to use you. Some of you are scared about what he's calling you to, but I promise you, you are the only one that's going to be able to do it. It's you. It's for you. It's only for you. Jesus knows who you are. He's not worried about your past. He's not worried about how long you've been serving him. His cause is yours, and he's wanting to use you this morning. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for these lives, these families that are standing. Ambassadors.